You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome to another radio and YouTube broadcast of Diakonia, a call to service. Diakonia is the Greek word for service, and it's also the root word for deacon. My name is Deacon Richard Hudzik, and I'm proud and privileged to serve the Archdiocese of Chicago as vicar for deacons uh, in the office of the diaconate out in beautiful Forest Park, Illinois. That's where our offices are. And I also get to work and pray with the good people at Mary Mother of Divine Grace Parish in beautiful Westchester. And as usual, joining me is Deacon David Brensick. And uh, something new since a little bit of amelioration or a lot of amelioration of the, the COVID crisis. Uh, joining in the studio is Deacon David Brensick, Associate Director of the Office and also uh, assigned as Permanent Deacon at Holy Guardian Angels Parish in Brookfield and LaGrange Park. Good day to you, David. Good day, Richard. And this is a show that the Archdiocese has graciously granted to our office, the Office of the Diaconate, and it's dedicated to talking about how the call to service is for all of God's people, not just the deacons. But it's a show about deacons, a show by deacons, not so much a show about deacons, but it's a show that we endeavor to bring to you to invite you to try on for size, so to speak, some of the ministry that our deacons are doing or some of the prayer practices that we we pursue uh, just to get you to walk with us um, in our common uh, walk and uh, a life that's animated by our love of Jesus. And for today's show, uh, we have a well-known Chicago priest, former vicar general, uh, former rector of Mundelein Seminary, and currently director of the Joseph and Mary Retreat House. And joining us then is, that can only be, Monsignor John Canary. So welcome, Monsignor. Richard, Dave, nice, nice to be with you. Great, and, and thank you for uh, taking time to, to be with us. And we want to talk about, about two things today. One is primarily about, about the Retreat House. Uh, deacons, uh, clergy are uh, expected under canon law to... Uh, go on an annual retreat. So that's uh, a spiritual practice we would like to encourage not only you know the priests and the deacons, but also all Christians, that uh, it's it's good for you. Uh, and we're going to pursue a little bit of that with, with you, Monsignor. And then also, um, since we've got you here, uh, I'd also like to spend a couple of minutes talking about St. John of the Cross, one of my favorites, and I believe one of yours as well. So we've got, uh, we don't often get to 
talk to rectors of seminaries, so we're gonna we're gonna pick your brain for for all it's worth. But uh, uh, that's that's the uh, the agenda for today. Um, but before we get going, let's let's personalize our our guest. Uh, aside from your uh, considerable accomplishments uh, as a priest and minister administrator. Um, who are you? Where do you come from? What's 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 the family situation? So I was uh, born on the south side of Chicago, Dick. Uh, I'm a native Chicagoan, and uh, my parents lived in Christ the King Parish on the south side there. Okay. Uh, there are four children. I'm the only boy. I have three sisters. Uh, so. Went to Christ the King Grammar School, and then not unusual at that time uh, for young men who had some interest in the priesthood to go to the high school seminary, Quigley. At that time, there was only one Quigley, and that was downtown. Uh, and I went through Quigley Seminary, and then in 1961, they opened the College Seminary. It was in Niles at that time. Uh, it was affiliated with Loyola. Niles College of Loyola University. I went there, and then I went to Mundelein after that. Uh, as a student, I finished up my college at Mundelein Seminary, and then we went into the major seminary for four years of theology, and I was ordained in 1969. Okay. Beautiful. And how about uh, parish assignments? You've, you, did, you, did, you weren't uh, ordained to be vicar general uh, initially. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, so after ordination, I was assigned to St. Irenaeus Parish, which is also on the far south side. Park Forest. Park That's Forest. my uh, my wife is a uh, graduate of uh, St. Irenaeus Grade School. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I was out there as full time uh, parish priest, uh, and was there for three years. And then after that, I was assigned to the College Seminary back at Niles. Uh, teaching theology, and then after three years of that, I was assigned to Mundelein Seminary. Uh, they told me for only five years, Dick, but uh, I ended up being there for 17 years. Oh. <laughs> uh, and both worked in formation, and you mentioned St. John of the Cross. That was one of the courses that I taught at Mundelein during the years there. Um, mm. And after Mundelein, uh, in 1992, I went to uh, live at the cathedral, and I, I worked as vicar for priests for three years. And then Cardinal Bernadine asked me to go back to the seminary uh, in 1995, and I was there for 11 years. And then Cardinal George asked me to work with him as vicar general. And my last seven years, I was there till 2013. Wow. Wow. That's... Uh... Quite a quite a path, and now you're up in uh, still in Mundelein uh, on the uh, on the eastern side of the lake at uh, the Joseph and Mary Retreat House. Now I'm going to turn it over to Dave and uh, get into some nuts and bolts as to uh, about this beautiful retreat house. Um, Dave, you want to uh, pursue that? Sure, Monsignor. Um, how long has the retreat house been at Mundelein? Uh, you, you know the campus, Dave, and we're on one side of the lake up here, and the campus uh, as a seminary was founded over 100 years ago, and then in 1950, uh, Cardinal Stritch wanted to 
have a place where the priests of the diocese would come. Uh, so for over 70 years, this facility, the Joseph and Mary Retreat House, which was formerly known as the, the Cardinal Stritch Retreat House, uh, has been on the campus and serving the various constituents that come here. And the first, uh, the first liturgical celebration in my memory of uh, the, then the Cardinal Stritch Retreat House was a, an evening prayer service that uh, the men who were ordained in the class of 1952 Advent of uh, 1951, I think, is, uh, uh, is, is marks the beginning of uh, the opening of the retreat house. That is right. You have a great memory, Dick. That is true. Yeah, I wasn't there, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so are the, are the retreats just limited to the clergy, uh, you know, or is it retreats open to anybody? Oh, yeah, Dave, at the beginning, the purpose of the retreat house uh, was for the priests of the diocese. Uh, and you may know this, but uh, the seminary is actually a provincial seminary, meaning it serves uh, the other diocese in the province of Illinois as well. And the retreat house eventually was open uh, to the priests from other dioceses in the province, but in its origin, it was for the priests. Uh, then after Vatican II, when they restored the permanent diaconate, uh, the retreat house also was intended to serve the permanent deacons from the archdiocese and their wives. Uh, and that continues to this day. And uh, really, it, some of it began uh, when uh, Deacon Dick Hudzik was director here. And uh, it expanded a bit when uh, Monsignor Dennis Lyle was the director of the retreat house. But the retreat house began to open up to uh, other people from the diocese and other groups from the diocese, parish groups. Uh, and today we serve anyone from the archdiocese, both for personal retreats and group retreats. We still sponsor 11 retreats for priests each year, and we sponsor 11 retreats for permanent deacons and their wives. Uh, but the retreat house is open and available, and the Cardinal wants people from the diocese to use uh, this wonderful facility for their own retreats. Great. And Monsignor, can you explain a little bit, what is a retreat for, for people who may not know exactly what that what's involved with that? So, Dave, uh, you may remember over the entrance in Latin. Venite seorsum. That's very good. Uh, so come away. Huh? Uh, and in some ways, that's what a retreat is. It's time to come away. Uh, we all know how busy people are. Uh, just the ordinary demands of daily life, you know, that press in on people, uh, take their time and their energy appropriately. Uh, but there is a way that all of us in the routine and the many pressures and uh responsibilities that we have, uh, we can, in some ways, uh, kind of become numb to some of the deeper things in our lives. Uh, you know, the foundation pieces, a real understanding of who we are and what we're about and the purpose of our lives, and uh, even the deeper relationships of our lives, uh, the, the wonderful people who we love and who love us, uh, 
after a while in the busyness of, of life, we can in some ways become numb to it all. Uh, and certainly the deepest relationship of our lives is the relationship that we have with a loving God. Uh, and so the retreat house and the retreats are uh, a place and a time to come away and recover some of those deeper dimensions of our lives. Um, an image that I've used, Dave, is, uh, you know, a biblical image of the fire. Uh, and the fire for the people of old was an image of God's presence, uh, whether it was the fire in the burning bush, uh, God speaking to Moses, or as the people of old, when they journeyed from their place of slavery to a place of freedom, uh, they were led during the day by a pillar of cloud, but at night it was a pillar of fire. And we all know the story of Pentecost when the fire descended on the apostles, uh, the tongues of fire, the giving of God's spirit to them. Uh, so that image of the fire is an image for God's presence and his love for all of us. And in the many years that I worked with priests, uh, what I came to know was that they, they all were really genuine men of faith, but not all of them were able to stay close to the fire. Uh, they have kind of that living sense of God's presence in their life. And it wasn't that they lost their faith, but they had wandered away from the fire a bit. And I think that's possible and true for all of us, you know, in the busyness of life. So retreats are a time to come, come away uh, and to regroup a bit and to, again, enkindle that fire in our hearts. All right. I think we're going to be... Uh going for a little break now so we'll see Monsignor and talk a little more about retreats on the other side Super. Catholic Charities Veterans Employment Services help veterans find and maintain employment through job readiness training, resume writing assistance, mock interviews, and job placement counseling. We work with a wide array of employers and community partners to help veterans reach their career goals. We owe a debt of gratitude to all of our veterans for the sacrifices they made to serve our nation. It is our privilege now to assist them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Employment Program in Cook County, call 773-808-2954. In Lake County, call 847-782-4219. You can also learn more at catholiccharities.net. To all United States veterans, thank you for your service. We are at the Most Blessed Trinity Parish Food Pantry in Waukegan. And here we uh, care for people in need. There was definitely an uptick in the needs for services. We doubled our volume after COVID hit. From servicing about 250 families a week to about 500 a week. We supply bread, tortillas, vegetables, milk, cheese, butter, 
uh, proteins, fish, chicken, eggs. Well, the annual Catholic Appeal has been a tremendous help to us, especially over the past year and a half. Without the annual Catholic Appeal, we might have to close our doors. Um, our parish is the largest one in the Archdiocese, but it's very poor. We think about food and we think about nourishment, but we also nourish the soul, provide that connection to humanity. The good works here are made possible through the annual Catholic Appeal. Make your gift at annualcatholicappeal.com. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. second half, uh, the final push towards the finish line. Uh, Deacon Richard Hudzik joined by Deacon David Brensick, and we have joining us uh, via Zoom is Monsignor John Canary, director of the Joseph and Mary Retreat House, and we're talking with uh, the good Monsignor about uh, all things connected with retreats, and we're going to squeeze in a little bit of time for St. John of the Cross, and I will shut up with my introduction, and Dave, uh, continue on with your examination of this witness. Monsignor, can you tell us what are, are, are there different types of retreats? Are all retreats silent or uh, is, you know, is there someone giving talks or how, what are retreats made of? And that's a good question, Dave. Uh, there are different kinds of retreats. Um, so the permanent deacon retreats and the retreats for priests are usually what is called preached retreats. There's a retreat master who comes and gives talks, usually three times a day. And then there's plenty of time for personal, both reflection and enjoyment of these beautiful grounds up here. Uh, a second type of retreat is what's called a silent retreat. Uh, so during the year, we sponsor a 30-day silent retreat that's in the month of July. Uh, it's open to anyone who would have the background and the capacity to do 30 days of silence. Uh, also in the fall, we sponsor a five-day silent retreat. The silent retreat does not have uh, formal preaching conferences, uh, but it does uh, provide for individual time each day for the retreat person to meet with a director just to talk about how things are going. Uh, mm -hmm. And the rest of the time is spent in silence, even during meals. Uh, there's some music being played, but for the most part, when people come on a silent retreat, 
either a short one, a five-day retreat, or a long one. Uh, they're in silence and solitude for most of that time. Uh, in addition to that, we especially recently have had parish groups coming. Uh, in a few weeks, we have a group from Santa Maria del Popolo Parish, uh, and there will be 50 of them coming for the weekend. Uh, they bring in their own retreat master, uh, and it's a more of a discussion retreat. Uh, there is some input, but it allows the leadership teams uh, the time and the space to enter into small group discussion. Um, and that possibility for parish groups, whether they're small groups, like a parish staff, even for an overnight uh, or for a weekend, or parish councils, uh, or finance councils, or leadership teams, uh, all of those possibilities are open to any of our parishes in the archdiocese. Uh, the individual private retreats are a little bit different. Uh, a person may want to come for a day or come for an overnight, come for a weekend, or even for a week. Um, and all they have to do is simply call and arrange a time that's convenient to them, time that would work for us. And then they can come and make their own personal private retreat. They have the option of meeting with a director if they would like, but they don't have to meet with the director. They can simply be on their own. Monsignor, what's so the... Those uh, are a variety of retreats. What's the uh, phone number at Joseph and Mary if someone wanted to make a call to reserve? Uh, sure. Uh, it's on our website under Joseph and Mary, but the number is 847-566-6060. Uh, and as I say, it's on the website... Uh, and the website is the Joseph and Mary Retreat House. Yes. dot um, org. dot org. So, if I wanted to, uh, as an individual, go on retreat, I could call the retreat house, or I could maybe contact my pastor and see about if a group from our parish could go up to, to Joseph and Mary for a retreat. Is that correct? That is right, uh, and that is encouraged and. We would delight in hosting any of the groups or individuals who would like to come away for the time of prayer and time of renewal. Right, Senior, let me let me ask a question. If I'm uh, just cannot envision myself with having the time away, um, family circumstances, work circumstances, health, what have you. You're a priest of many many years, and you've. You've nurtured spiritualities of, of people over over the decades. What do you tell a person who is yearns for closeness with God but can't make that physical journey to to, to a retreat house? What's you know what what hope is there for them? What what do you recommend? So, Dick, again, that's a very good question and one that even the seminarians face when they first come to the seminary. How do they begin to build a closer relationship and what are some of the elements? Uh, certainly some kind of prayer time in a regular way uh, can help that. And what we try to encourage the seminarians and teach them is uh, some of the habits of prayer, simple prayer. Uh, 
And one of those habits is obviously spending some time with the scriptures. Uh, we not only believe that is the word of God, but it's a living word. You know, it's a way that we can reflect on our relationship with God, but also reflect on our lives. So there, there are a number of uh, tools that people can use that help them uh, pray with the scriptures. Uh, one very popular publication is called the Magnificat, uh, and it has usually the daily scripture readings in it, but there are other publications as well. Uh, not a matter just of picking up the Bible, but uh, if we can kind of have a publication that helps us each day uh, pray with the Word of God, that can be helpful. Another simple thing that we try to teach our seminarians is at the end of the day, uh, simply to take five minutes and look back at the day and divide the day to look at the morning, to look at the afternoon, to look at the evening with a simple question. Uh, what were the blessings of today? Uh, how have we experienced God's grace, not only personally, but in all that's going on? Uh, and the purpose there is to try and foster a spirit of gratitude, uh, an awareness of how God's grace is there for us day in and day out. Uh, another kind of prayer for people uh, is more formal, uh, in the sense traditional, you know, either saying the rosary, or if, if it's possible for people to make stations, especially during Lent. Uh, in the rosary and in the stations, you keep revisiting the major events of our own faith life uh, in the person of Jesus. And sometimes that can be a very rich way of people drawing closer to Christ. Uh, so one of the things I'm hearing is this, this daily attention, that we can sometimes put roadblocks in front of ourselves of, oh, it's, it's too big of a project, I can't, I can't do it, it's, it's unfathomable. But what I'm hearing you saying is, well, the effort is, is something minimal, but, but best done daily so that we don't lose our, our forward progress, if, if that's the word. It's, it's the daily attention to, to immerse ourselves in, in God's presence with us. Um, very, very much, Dick. And as I say, you know, for that morning prayer, I don't think you need more than 10 minutes. And for the evening prayer, you don't need more than five minutes. But it is the habit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been building up the show as, as partially a discussion of Saint John of the Cross, and the, the guy in the control booth is just waving his uh, fingers at me. We got like uh, 120 seconds left, but let me let me just set this up uh, with so I don't disserve uh, the illustrious Saint John of the Cross, but. Tell me, Monsignor, um, one of the, uh, this is a setup for you, and that is, can we not look to our saints as models that we might adapt or look to for, for wisdom in this, in this daily path? And, you know, John of the Cross, we're, we're probably not going to be living his life, but uh, there's wisdom there that, that is accessible to us. Um, in 45 seconds or less, why should I read John of the Cross, or why should I learn about him? So, Dick, with John of the Cross, uh, for me personally, but also the other saints, uh, you know, they, they've walked the talk, as they say. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they know a path in, into a deeper relationship with God. 
And even though their language and their culture may be different than our own, uh, knowing the path is a good thing. And like in St. John of the Cross, uh, he sums up all of his writings at the end of Dark Knight Book Two in 10 moments. And the moments are very common moments that all of us experience. And his insight into the way that God's grace is at work in all of the moments of our life is invaluable. Uh, so I think walking the path and knowing the, the ways that God works with us uh, can be found in the saints. And for uh, many of others of us are familiar with Teresa of Avila. And so if John and Teresa are, in a sense, a matched set. You, you can't go wrong with, with working with either of them. But we're going to have you back, uh, Monsignor, if, if, if we can uh, impose on you again and do it just to show on John of the Cross. So thank you so much for joining with us. And for those interested, Joseph and Mary, 847-566-6060. It's also on the, uh, on the Internet. You can uh, check their webpage. So thank you, Monsignor. Thank you, David. Thank and you, Monsignor. Thank you, Archdiocese. Thank you. At my right hand.